welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the reg- regular rugby crew of Westy and Sam at this stage uh, after another big weekend of rugby. How are the boys, Westy? How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, great weekend of sport. Uh, highlight of the r- rugby weekend was definitely Spain-Georgia. Can we talk about that one? <laughs> We've got a full hour on Spain-Georgia <laughs> coming up. Uh, <laughs> Sam, how are you? Portugal-Romania was an instant classic, Westy. <laughs> It was. It was the last what, was the, what was the score? Six three. Romain, no, Romania. Last was, minute winner. Yeah, last minute winner. Romania scored in the last second of the game. It was the best last minute winner of the weekend. Oh, that's a that's a, that's a hot topic. Huge rugby's catching Steve. Yeah, I know it's huge. It is huge. But we're not going to talk about any of it. Uh, on that note, uh, we'll start. Obviously, Six Nations, uh, Ireland, Scotland. We have to start there because why wouldn't we? It's probably the most fun to talk about. Uh, this was. I, I generally don't know how to feel after this because it's great to get a win and Scotland are a good team but we really did our best to fuck it up uh, in classic Ireland fashion but Sam, Ireland started very well you know, we, we were quick ball we were, you know, getting the ball free from the ruck really quickly G- Gibson Park was distributing very quickly and we looked really dangerous in those first few minutes and we got rewarded for it a penalty earlier on and then with some advantage Sexton put up an under up and under and we got the try like you, you were happy with how this Ireland started yeah I was really happy with how it started the first kind of five minutes looked like we were going to really run riot and I was like oh finally it's starting to pay off we're going to see sort of the best of maybe like low making a break down the wing and then trying for an offload and some decent play tried to go wide a couple of times wasn't great the way they did it they ate up their own space a bit and then you know, the up and under, really good follow-up by Henshaw. And then the subsequent, the next kick, you know, opportunistic try. Everything sort of looked up. And then the game really fell to shit. Uh, and it wasn't enjoyable. I thought Scotland were abject at best. And I thought Ireland were very poor. They got the win and I'm happy with the win. But you put that Scotland team playing the way they did and winning two lineouts of their own in an entire game against any other top-tier nation and they would be absolutely destroyed. Like Scotland were gifting Ireland a platform with how bad their lineup functioned or how well the Irish defensive lineup functioned, and we couldn't take advantage of it. Uh, I was massively unimpressed with without. I was massively unimpressed with how we didn't kick on after taking the lead and how we let Scotland back into it and how we just kind of it just fell over the line. And yeah, it was a great moment at the end, but it, I think that just paper and over cracks. Yeah, I think that's sort of been the, the the whole kind of theme of Six Nations so far. It's papering over cracks, the good moments. There's a lot of bad moments as well. Westy, do you agree? Like Ireland just couldn't get anything going after that first kind of ten minutes. Yeah, I think um, you know Sam said a lot of it there. I do think like it's not just like the Scottish lineup wasn't poor for no reason. You know, you have to give a lot of credit to the Irish lads for disrupting and getting up and getting in their faces. Um, but it is worrying how little we capitalised off it. I think as well for the for the Robbie Henshaw try, like it's great work and it's, it's like you see Robbie Henshaw tracking that ball from really early, which is like, that's a lesson to every young lad. Like that's why you stay in play until you hear the whistle, you know? But they say, no, the commentators were like, I actually switched over to BBC after a while because I got kind of irritated with Virgin Media. Um, the commentators like, oh, fantastic kick for sex. And it really wasn't. It was far too deep. It wasn't wide enough. Like Earls really had to work to get anywhere near it. And, we got kind of lucky that the ball got bounced back. And now, again, great taking an opportunity there, but it's not, you know, that wasn't a try born out of dominance. But, you know, it was great to see them try the cross field kick when we had the advantage. That's something I don't think Ireland have been great at in the past. 
we don't tend to try things when we have an advantage. We tend to keep knocking one-up runners and hoping that we'll, we'll bar it over at some point. Um, you say that, Wesley, but you, there was an advantage as well where Sexton put through, uh, aimed to put through a grubber that was in no way on. It wasn't even going to be a 50-50. I think it was a 99-1 to them. He was kicking through. It didn't end up going to anyone. I think it was blocked with a foot, but it looked like it was completely lack of ideas. I think that, you know, it's definitely something Connacht do and, like you see good teams having it, which is a plan for advantage. Like as soon as we get advantage, you see a wing go and hug the touchline. And that's not what happened. And the Sexton kick was, it was fortunate that it bounced the way it did. Like you said, I don't think it was a great kick, but it didn't look like we had a real plan for what to do if you had an advantage. Like what 50-50 are you going to take? Well, the problem with these, these up and under and kicking, as we said in the WhatsApp group, you're relying on a lot of luck and the ball, the ba- ball bouncing a certain way for stuff to come your way instead of actually creating something yourself. And that's, as I said, you will get return out of it occasionally, but it's not something you can rely I'm on. Not, I'm not talking about ball. that as a tactic. I'm talking about what Wesley said with the with the sexing up and under and trying something from the advantage. And yeah, it came off that time, but there was another advantage I thought was completely wasted. I think if you have an advantage. Kicking should definitely be one of your options, but it didn't look like we had any plan. That sex and kick didn't look like it was pre-planned. It looked like it was, he saw Keith Earls out there and he tried something. Whereas like, if you see when some teams get, and I'm going to use Connick as an example, when we get an advantage, Matt Healy goes and hugs the touchline instantly and Carty looks for him straight away. That's, the, that's a plan. That's a planned kick. Not just a kick because you have a 50-50 chance or you have an advantage. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that we, we make the right decision all the time. I'm saying that like that's not something that we've been doing regularly. So it's nice to see even even okay, the Gruber doesn't go through. It's a bit of a kick to nothing, and you're seeing a lot more. Like teams are a lot more aware of that Gruber kick through recently because you're seeing that get blocked at the defensive line a lot more than you than you used to. Um, so again, I'm not saying like oh we're fantastic at doing it. I'm saying I was glad to see us actually do it because I I don't remember us doing it too often in, in recent history. Yeah, and the, the first 10 minutes were good. They looked positive, and then we just sort of stopped. And then Scotland eventually get a try late in the first half, which was a comedy of errors from a few Irish players. Um, first of all, we get the turnover. And again, it seems to be the first initial response when we get a turnover is to put boot to you know to your foot, uh, which sometimes is the right option. We're not saying it isn't, but it seems to be regardless of if it's the right option or not, we're, we're putting our boot to ball and kicking it. Ring Rose tries it. It gets blocked down by Hogg, hits Hogg right in the right in his beautiful face, uh, and then he kicks it off. And then James Lowe, who we'll probably mention a lot, uh, unfortunately, not not for any real good reasons. But Wesley, he seems to be jogging back. There doesn't seem to be any real urgency there, right? Yeah, well, I think look, it's probably unfortunate because he he had been poor defensively before that, and he was poor defensively after that. Um, but like, I think he assumes it's been a knock on. I think he's just kind of jogging back into position, whereas. Again, you know, you talk about how great it was for Robbie Henshaw to, to stay in the fight and stay on the ball. Like, that's the exact opposite. Like, he's assuming it's been a knock-on that the ball is going to stop and at some point the ref's going to blow the whistle so I'll just jog back into position as opposed to staying in a fight and staying on the ball. Like, I think there is a difference in kind of mentality in Ireland players at the minute. I'm not saying, like, Lowe is the worst of them or he's the only one, but, you know, you counter that by looking at how Robbie Henshaw tackles Dwayne Vandermeer into touch, uh, 30 minutes or so later on, you know, like he is completely in that fight all game and he blindsides, well not blindsides him, like perfectly legal tackle, smacks him in the ribs into touch and gets up and stands over him. You know, that's a different, it's a very different mentality to how you're playing the game than someone, 
you know, and again, not just James though, but players in Ireland just kind of jogging, sauntering back on side and even like, ah, oh, yeah, like I'll be in the right position eventually. Yeah, I, and I, I don't like criticising people for, you know, sometimes people just aren't very good defensively, but when you can see someone's effort not being there, like the tackle attempts Lowe is putting in, there's not much effort there, Westy, and that is frustrating to watch, isn't it? Yeah, it's even, it's very more apparent in the second, not the second one, but the second one in my mind, which is the, the other try where he kind of just hits someone in the shoulder and falls off them. Sure, like you're gonna miss a tackle. Like that's that's acceptable if you're a big prop busting a gut to get to the sideline, or if you're a small little scrum half getting barreled over. But if you're a pretty strong, pretty agile winger, to kind of lethargically hit someone fairly high and without much grab, you know, even if he gets a hand to the jersey, there he stops the try. Well, you see Will Connors then on the other sideline wrapping up Van der Merwe in incredible effort and incredible tackle. And then that's, again, Will Connors will always be a, bit more, a better tackler than James Lowe, but the effort there is just poles apart. Yeah, And, uh, and that's what's frustrating for, you know, someone who, I've, I enjoy James Lowe, I think he's a great rugby player and there's no doubt about it, Sam, you've said this before, was not informed coming into the Six Nations and has not been informed in the Six Nations. So, like, anyone who doesn't think that he's a good rugby player is wrong. He is a good rugby player, but he definitely has defensive weaknesses that, you know, we've always called Jacob Stockdale out in it. We have to call James Lowe out in it. And I happily, you know, I agree. I will say that, you know, I'd rotate the squad now for the next game. I think it's been a couple of games in a row we've had a similar problem with James Lowe, but I would think it's it's indicative of a bigger problem. We're, We're packing the side with Leinster players who aren't being tested defensively. You know, that Leinster, now, okay, a weakened Leinster against the third strings ever. He conceded four tries at the weekend. They're not used to backpedaling. They're not used to being on the back foot. And they're used to their pack doing the majority of the work. So I, I don't think, I'm not saying everybody, because I, you know, I, I acknowledge that there are fantastic defenders in Leinster, but it's times like this where you see somebody who hasn't been pushed at that level and who isn't in form, and it's just become super apparent now in the games. Yeah, it's, it's, form is one thing. Uh, I can understand picking a player who might not necessarily be on form. I don't agree with it, but who might not necessarily be on form. If you genuinely have a game plan and you think, okay, that player, I can get the best out of him at the international level. His provincial coach isn't getting the best out of him because of their structures. And I can get that. But Lowe was out from the Georgia game in the Autumn Nations. It's 11 weeks, nearly three months of not playing. His first game back was for Ireland. And I really, I can't buy it. And I, it, it has worked for Furlong and... I'm glad it has because Furlong is brilliant and he was great at the weekend, but it doesn't work for everyone and it definitely shouldn't be a thing we regularly do, which is playing people back into fitness on the Irish team's time. There's been plenty of Leinster games during the Six Nations in which James Lowe could have got runs out, like Stockdale has, two games to show that he's fit, to show that his mentality is there. And now he's in probably going to take Lowe's place this weekend, having had a few games to build up some confidence. Lowe didn't get that. Lowe got, you know, a missed tackle in his first game back after three months out, and missed tackle in this game, being called out for being lazy, being like irrationally slated online, probably because he's not born in Ireland, but uh, people using the excuse of the missed tackle. And some of the stuff that's been thrown at him, I think, is unfair because he's an unbelievable player. He's been Leinster's star player for the last couple of years. He's definitely of international standard. I don't even agree that his defensive ability isn't there because I've seen him be dominant in defence. What I will say is that you're out for that long. You're not going to be match sharp. And there was no way he was ready. And I think that falls on Farrell. I don't think he should have been picked. And I really don't think he should have been persevered with when he made a mistake in the first game. Uh, I, I think that it's unfair on the other wingers who have been informed, the other wingers who are playing regularly, and the other wingers who deserve their shot. 
And what James Lowe has essentially brought to us in the Six Nations is the ability to kick the ball quite far with his left foot. And that is really what they've kept him in for. And I don't agree with that. I think it's a waste of our time and it's a waste of the tactics. It's a waste of the, the potential and the chance to play him back into form and get him ready and get him playing. And maybe, you know, allow him to push for a lion spot from a provincial level if he was playing well. But that's probably gone now. Yeah, I think, look, I agree and I disagree in some parts. I think some of the attempts we've seen is not because he's tired. It's just, I don't know I'm not talking about it's tired. I'm not. talking about a lack of match sharpness. Like, that, they're... they're yeah, but that, that failed to tackle attempt wasn't lack sharpest. That was just terrible technique. Yeah, that, but that technique and all that comes into sharpness. If you're, if you're not played for three months and you've got a really bad knee injury that you're coming back from, everything goes. You, 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 you don't get back to being up to speed. And I get like it looks quite lazy. And I agree. I was not happy with the attempt. But I also feel very sorry for him for being in that situation because I think the injury has played him. He's nowhere near as agile. He doesn't even look as like slight or athletic as he has done in the past. And I think that that's, that's shone through. And I, like, I've not been impressed with really any element of his game except for one half break down the sideline twice. That's it. And his hair. Oh yeah, his, his hair, hair is pretty good now. Uh, but for the, for the size of a man he is, he should be a defensive juggernaut. Yeah. Like he's so strong. Uh, and you see that when he is attacking. And look, you could forgive him if he was his usual attacking threat, but like the system Iron plays, and obviously, as you say, the lack of sharpness, we're not seeing that either. So you're really getting nothing at the moment from James Lowe. And that's a real shame. And that really sums up Iron that we're getting nothing from a player like James Lowe. Uh, it really is a microcosm of all of our issues at the moment. And for Ozan Keenan, like you say, the system, I really don't understand what the system they were trying, what they were trying to do. They were deep and static, which is two things I've kind of... Depth is one thing when you're a kid and you're brought up playing rugby, but like the way they were, they were so narrow and so deep and so static that every time the ball went through hands, it looked like they got five passes off, but all five people who touched the ball ended up in the five-meter channel, ended up all their own space. I don't... It doesn't look like there's any decent sort of structure or plan there. Ireland bet... or That was a tongue twister. Ireland beat six defenders... Uh, on Saturday or on Sunday, should I say? So that really, that's that's tough uh, view to look at as a stat. Uh, I think the last few games we were averaging in the twenties. So, you know, I thought we were the best offloading team in the world after Italy. Turns out we're not, uh, which is shocking because I thought we were. I thought Andy Farrell had a house in Offload City, but apparently he doesn't. It was one night only hotel, and he's back out of it again. But uh, Burn scores the next try, Westy. As a as a former AIL st- stud, uh, Roman I'm still te- just because the season's been cancelled doesn't mean I'm not still you know. <laughs> Sorry, apologies. How dare I? Apologies. Uh, how did you rate Roman Poit's beautiful jackal technique to get right in there, support his own weight? Was did it was through the gate? It was just beautiful, wasn't it? Well, you know, he, he has to set the example for the rest of the players. He you know, does, he's going to he be giving out to you later on. Like you're going to be like, well, look how I did it. Um, it was actually amazing because you know he's <laughs> he's wearing blue shorts and you know they're similar but different obviously the scarlet gear. So I, I was watching it and I was like, wait a lot, whose shorts are those? Because the camera just all of a sudden by the. But yeah, yeah, you have to admire his determination. He sees a gap. He knows nothing's going to change now, and he gets his head in there. And you know that's what you want to see from a referee, really. You want to see that. It was, and a Scotland lad kind of lay on top of him then as well. I don't know if the Scotland guy got confused as well. I don't know what he thought, you but he think, was you in. I think the ref was going to be in there. Yeah, imagine uh, your head in there. You're like, Roman, what are you doing here? Wes, Wes, you tell the truth. You see a ref like that in a Corinthians Ballina game, 
and you're coming and approaching the road. You're flying in off your feet. <laughs> oh, sorry, ref. <laughs> that yellow card you uh, gave me four years ago. What game was it? It might have been the, the England game. Did the referee get like taken out at one point and he get pretty much tackled by somebody? What did uh, it end? He got what, twice oh, was oh, on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice. So, you know, he's getting a couple of hits in there, you know. Um, again, Scotland then finally kind of, we were 14 points up at that stage with, with 20 minutes to go. Scotland finally get a nice patch play together. The James Lowe missed tackle uh, is the one we're referring to there. Um, and then Hamish Watson's with an incredible finish. I still don't know how he got that ball down for Scotland's last. Like, incredible that he held, held on to it. We go back up the pitch. Ryan Baird makes a great contribution. Ali Price loves getting a box kick charged down, doesn't he? <laughs> loves it. Is there, he, against England, he constantly getting charged down in Ireland as well. Uh, blocks down. And in fairness to Sexton, I'll hold my hands up. I thought Sexton had a fairly good game. Uh, he really nailed his kicks, and that was tough. Apparently, he was quite blustery in there. Uh, and you know, got us to penalty to win the game, and that was that was all she wrote. He had one kick to touch that he kicked it about two yards off the ground to try and avoid the wind. You see that? Uh, is that the one he missed? No, it was a penalty. It went to touch, but it like he didn't put any air on it at all. He bullied it straight into touch. It looked like he was trying to avoid putting any height on it because the wind seemed to be pretty. He said that, but the last kick, he tried to keep it lower than he actually did. But uh, Westy, the line out we've already referred to, you've already referred to it was excellent. Paul O'Connell. Like the impact he's made since coming into this coaching staff, like, is he? He's the only coach that really is smelling like roses currently. Like, uh, can you just tell us like the impact that has had? Like that Ireland's lineup was a weakness. Now it's a weapon. Yeah, well, he's he's obviously done a lot of work with the guys and how to communicate, because we seem to be identifying our our jumpers pretty well. Defensively, we seem to have a great read on the opponents. I don't know was I don't know the ins and outs of it. I'd say he's probably doing video sessions of. Scotland lineouts during a week and we're all getting a hang of their calls. Similarly, you guys talked to Niall Murray about learning the opposition calls and running through them in, in training. Like that can have a huge, huge impact on how you do it. Um, but, I mean, you see how different it is. I mean, Ireland are now having, you know, more than 50% possession in, in every game because we're, we're dominating lineouts. Anytime a ball goes out, we're, you know, we're in with a better than not chance of, of either retaining it or stealing it. Yeah, it's exactly. And Sam, some of we'll finish on the Irish game now. Obviously, we uh, England come to town next weekend, and we'll talk about the England France game. But England look to be back to somewhat their best. Uh, this is going to be a massive challenge next Saturday. Yeah, huge. And I've just read there online that Ryan and Ringrose are both out. Uh, I'm, I'm, without sounding harsh, kind of secretly a bit okay with Ringrose being out because I don't think he had a very good game. I thought that kick was silly uh it, it he he ne- had no space he was never going to get it off uh and i just don't think he was as good now his henshaw really was good and i'd like to see bundy at least bring a bit of physicality because i think if you saw in the france england game the one thing that france did was always have the potential for dominant center play which allowed them to go wide later so if you have henshaw and bundy at least you can match them up front and match them in the middle there uh so i think that that that's kind of a blessing in disguise for us Ryan is a bit of a shame because I thought he was good and maybe he was contributing to why the lineout was so good. But uh, I don't, I don't have any problem putting Byrne back in beside Henderson because Byrne, Byrne was brilliant and you know see, bringing someone else in that way. Uh, or if you really wanted to go for a bit of size, maybe John Klein, call him up again, stick him in the second row, and you know get him and Byrne on the same pitch together. That could be dominant. Uh, the silver lining there, as you say, is is moving maybe moving Tyburn. I I do I, look Tyburn is fantastic wherever he is, but I I do prefer him in the second row. I think yeah. he has more access uh, to ball in the second row. Um, 
as you say, you pair him up with Henshaw and you open up a spot to bring in somebody again exciting, you know, another Will Connors in the back row maybe to, to liven things up a bit more again. Yeah. Will Connors was excellent the weekend. Very, well. yeah. I, I, th- I think he has to be our starting seven. He just, it's almost like playing with 16 men because the way he tackles, he's always back up into the defensive line within half a second. So you're never losing someone to a tackle. It's just incredible. Uh, we also nearly went through the whole Irish game without talking about the best part. Tyg Furlong with the fucking, with the step. Like a uh, young Stephen, Stephen Murphy. <laughs> like a young, some people did say he was a young Stephen. You're right, Westy. That's a fantastic uh, uh, example there. It was just like the man, We and we were all sceptic of him coming back into the Irish squad so soon because the man hadn't played in over a year and he's coming back into international tests. But Westy, he looks like, he's not, the tag or the tag furlong before he went down injured, but he's not far off it. Yeah, look, I, I do think he had he had apart from that he had quite a good game. Again, not not outstanding. If you take that one outstanding moment out of it, it wasn't a you know breathtaking game, but it was a very strong game from him. I think, although I I, I do still disagree with him getting into the Ireland squad after his, you know twelve months of not playing. They almost did manage him pretty well in the Ireland squad. Did he, did he play the first game? I'm not sure, but he came off the bench then in one game, started the Italy game, got a bit of you know time in the lungs, and then had a, had a solid enough game against Scotland. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. I actually, I thought it was harsh on Porter for Furlong to get the start, to be honest. I thought Porter had been doing quite well in the jersey, but it'll be very interesting to see who they go with against England. I think Furlong offers more of a link-up play than Porter does. I think Porter definitely did nothing wrong but I think the, I, I can imagine the thinking process behind it is that like Furlong's very good at that first receiver back out to the backs kind of play that Porter never really showed as much of. But Porter definitely, like, what a sub to bring on. The man's been a beast the last year. And look, that's probably what you want. You know, that's one thing Ireland aren't doing is we're not identifying space out wide. There's multiple times in, in that game that we have three on two, four on two out on the wings. And as Sam said, like, our... our default is to box kick it down or kick off the first receiver or go off James Lowe's left boot in the middle of the pitch and it's like if we could move the ball at any speed we're, we're out there wide so they might stick with someone who's a better distributor for the England game. Yeah I think uh, as well as that Furlong was brilliant but I thought Herring was excellent as well and I've seen a few people from the media online saying that Kelleher had an instant impact. Kelleher had one good five meter run but Herring was on point with his darts with the line out and um, that that helped us function so well i also read a stat today that he was uh, the most rooks hit which i know it can be a deceiving stat but i don't think it was I, I think he was very good at that i think kelleher has the potential to grow into an extremely good player loads of athleticism but i think you need to go with the stability of herring i think that healy herring furlong if they're all fit need to start against england and that's unfortunate for porter because he's not put a foot wrong at all he's been brilliant but I just think that that's probably your strongest front row at the moment. It's an interesting take, Sam, because if guaranteed if it was Kelleher and the lineouts were going this well, that would be all anybody is talking about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I disagree. I, I think I'd have Kilcoyne ahead of Healy at the moment. I think he offers I like Kilcoyne a, a lot, lot more. but I think, uh, I don't, I think Healy, Healy has just a, another element of strength. that. Like I actually probably, on the whole, would prefer Kilcoyne's game plan, but I think going into England, keeping that continuity, keeping the... the the front row that were, you know, faultless really. Like, I don't think that the team were brilliant, but I don't think that the front row did anything wrong. So I'd keep the three of them together. Uh, and then having Kilcoyne and Kelleher and Porter, like, you know, that is a brilliant front row to bring on at 60 minutes. Uh, 
the Irish. It's a, it's an international front row on your bench, yeah. like but starting. The Irish management need to use the bench properly, though, because I've been really disappointed <laughs> with the using of the bench in this whole tournament. I, I don't understand. I love the fact that Sexton got that last minute winner kick, but you know, ninety nine other percent of other teams in the world wouldn't have had him on the pitch at the time. I, you know, and that I don't think comes down to a bit of genius by the coach. I think that that comes down to a bit of luck. I um, know oh, it's great seeing Burns getting that last twenty minutes. That'll stand to him in the in the long run. <laughs> classic, our classic Irish logic. That uh, we move on to England France, which was one of the best yeah. games we've seen in a long time. What an absolute cracker that was! Even the second half wasn't off Super Rugby Arteroa. Yeah, it was. It was that quality in the first half. It really was. Like starts off seventy seconds in, Dupont scores a ridiculous try from France. That said, I was like, oh my god, this could be. It was too early to say this, obviously, but France, I was like, this could be a massacre. But England, really impressively, you know, got straight back into the game and looked really good. Like, they looked, they weren't kicking as much, and they looked the best they've looked in a long, long time. And that can't be a coincidence, Westy, right? Yeah, well, sorry, I, I missed the question. Uh, England, <laughs> looked the best they looked in a while. Yes, they, yeah. they haven't been kicking, and, you know, that can't be a coincidence that the best they've looked in a while has been when they haven't kicked as much. Yeah, but for, like first off, it's the crunch. Like it's always going to be a massive game. Like you know, England are going to play their best, some of their best rugby against France. Um, and again, look, they, they have built, they've steadily improved as the tournament went on. Um, and yeah, I just think Anthony Watson was unbelievably good as well. Like I think you have somebody like that playing on form, and you know you're playing with the ball a little bit more. I think I, I think they they played a, a lot. They played a lot smarter rugby this time around than they've been playing um, in the competition so far. We've seen one of the nicest scores, Sam, I think I've seen in a long time. That France off the line out move where everything was just inch perfect. It was flawless try, wasn't it? Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a lovely bit of skill. Uh, and I think that that comes from, like I said, with the bringing in Bundy for the injured ring rows this weekend. I think that comes from the fact that like Slade and Farrell are so concentrated on the potential for monstrous Vakatawa running through the middle that it gives you the opportunity it holds defenders in and that's what gives you that opportunity to do it out wide but that doesn't take away from the fact that they had the you know the balls to go wide from a line out to go like west to east coast or whatever you want to call it uh, and play with the ball in hand and that's that's the beauty of French rugby like it's it's that's what they're doing at the moment and that's why it's that's so impressive what a try what a, what a brilliant score what a great thing to watch uh, it was watching that and then watching Ireland's attack. It's like it's so depressing. Uh, Westy, Jolly Bear has been incredibly impressive, and we saw Roman Entomac on the bench wasn't brought on, which you know we've criticised Ireland's uh, selection at that as well. But like Jolly Bear has been so like I always thought he was definitely all the potential in the world, but definitely was always a clangor in his locker as well. That seems to have gone now, especially the Six Nations. Yeah, I think I think he silenced a lot of critics. Um, Thus far, anyway. Um, as far as the Entomac things go, I'd say maybe not 100% fit, so they were probably a bit hesitant to bring him on. And again, in such a clutch finish, I think they just kind of didn't want to mess with what was essentially working for most of the game. Um, but yeah, even Halle Bear's kind of, not Jally Bear, not just his, his kicking, but his, his link-up play and his distribution and his vision, I think he really has grown to that 10 jersey. And I think if, if both players are fit, even next week, well, next week they have, yeah. Um, oh, Wales, yeah, next week. They have well, Scotland yeah. games the week after. Um, yeah, I think next week it, it, it's even a toss-up. But do, do you take away Halle Berry? Maybe with the loss now, you're going to start Entomac and give him a run at the jersey. But 
it's definitely not as clear cut a decision as it would have been even two months ago. What a great problem to have, though, Entmac well, or Jaddy Bear well, at the start. There, though, that that's a problem that Ireland had the potential to have, uh, and they're they're kind of in an enviable position now. But you know, Jaddy Bear is twenty two, and you say like, oh, he was kind of sketch at times. All 19, 20 year olds are sketch at times. He's growing into the opportunity. That's his twelfth or thirteenth cap for France. Keep giving him caps. Keep bringing him up to that forty or so where Entmac is at. And you're going to have two experienced young out halves vying for the position for 10 years instead of having one and then saying that all the lads with five caps aren't good enough. Like It's, it's, it's counterintuitive. So, you know, I'd, I'd persevere with Jolly Bear. Give him, this is his tournament. You know, it, it might be out of their grasp now, but, you know, let him run it. Let him grow into it. Let him continue to develop because they get to the World Cup in 2023 and they could have two brilliant 25 year old out halves with 40 odd caps each like that that's so much better than having one 38 year old out half with 106 caps and one 21 year old with seven like that's it to me it makes so much sense. I, I don't know so i think you're wrong there i think you're wrong <laughs> uh westy maro toges try was it a try or was it not um well i didn't see it grounded um but you have to go with the officials on this one if they see the ball down. I saw a still and it looks to me like it's his, his inside shoulder that's on the ground that there seems to be what they but said. But it does look like a ball as well. It's like it's hard to tell. There's another picture from front on where you can see the ball on the ground. Uh, so there's one from the side that it looks like a shoulder, but it could be the ball. But there's another one from front on where it looks like it's definitely the ball and it looks like it's touching the ground. So I think that, you know, Joy Neville's done the right thing in saying she's seen it and going with her, like going with her decision. The interesting thing for me, right. And, and you're probably hundred percent right in all power Joy Neville, but the, the, the on-field decision is no try. So it's not any reason why I can't award the try. It's like, yeah, is it a try? It a try. So yeah. in that logic, you have to be hundred percent sure the ball touches the ground. Whereas if the try if, if the try is given on pitch, it's any reason I can't overturn. You're looking for clearly a hand underneath. So I just thought it was very interesting, and I was thinking it during the week that like we very rarely see the TMO disagree with the ref. Like it's been a few questionable calls in the Pro 14 games last weekend, and then it was interesting to see her go against her and say, um, "No, it is a try. Overturn your on-field decision." You've seen it a couple of times recently. It's getting more common. Uh, Joy Neville actually is one of the ones that has done it a couple of times. You know. Have a look back at that uh, knock-on there, or intentional knock-on, and give a yellow card, that sort of thing. But uh, <laughs> let it go, Sam. Let it go. Never. But uh, the the what I want to know is because we're all sitting here, and I've seen it. You know, I didn't see it grounded. How did Pot see it? And it's like Pot's face was there. He's definitely seen it. <laughs> Where I didn't see it grounded. How did Joy Neville see it? When she's in the booth checking what we see on the TV, is that the only thing that she's looking at at that exact moment? Or are there multiple screens with multiple angles that she's looking side to side? Because I think that, whatever we see is what she sees. Yeah, no, on, no, they've got, they've got, they've got about six screens in front yeah, of them. That's, you've just seen what the, t, what the TV channels are showing. the primary monitor. She probably has a slow-mo from this angle on this one here and another one on that one. So she could be looking over here and go, yeah, that's definitely it. And we're seeing one angle. So... I, I, I'm, I don't want to criticize that because I don't, I'm not sitting in there. If we, had, if we were privy to seeing exactly what she is seeing and only what she is seeing at the time, then we could disagree. But you don't know what the other screens are doing. 
I thought this, what I was in the TV was shown like in the you know in that the stadiums being, that is being shown, but they have more than one monitor. They have about six of them. Yeah, but the same TV. angles, I'm sure. She's not seeing any different angles that we're not seeing. She is at different times. When she was saying that, she was looking at one angle on the screen, but there are other things on the different screens. People like they're getting the, the last angle is up on this one and the other one over here. Yeah, but we all we see those angles as well. Like we're not see, she's yeah, not we she cycle doesn't have access them. to. We cycle yeah, but as I'm saying, we the angles we saw. I don't think there's clear evidence. I thought it was a try. I'd say more than likely it was grounded. Atoja's reaction would suggest that maybe it wasn't because he was still furiously trying to get it down and then when it was awarded, he did look a bit cheapish. But I still think that whatever angles she saw, we saw too. I'm not saying, I'm not defending or giving out. In as much slow-mo and detail and zoomed in. Yeah, well, that's possibly true as well, yeah. The problem is... I thought that that side angle. I thought that was the ball, but then people are saying it's a shoulder. But then, how do you know that could be the ball? Yeah. We, like we don't know, but it's it doesn't matter. The the score was given. France do their best, but Dupont shows he's human, and knocks the ball on, uh, and that kind of costs the game. But like France didn't play bad in this game, Sam, and yet England still come out on top. Like France obviously are an incredible team, but they can still get better, which is quite scary when it comes to a World Cup that's two years down the down the road. Yeah, they, they've got loads of youth on their side. They've got kind of the, the opportunity to build on 20-odd caps onto all of these players that are in and around their kind of mid-20s to mid-40s caps. So, you know, they're going to have a wealth of experience by then and they will start winning games like this. I'm looking at stats here. Like England dominated, like they're 56% possession, 57% territory. They had 20 minutes in possession to 15 minutes. They have more offloads, more rooks won, more passes, like all the things that equal winning the game. So I think England kind of did outplay them in the end. Uh, and that's probably due to the fact that England have, like I said, we shouldn't do what James Lowe is grown into the tournament and allowed those Saracens players to get a bit fitter and kind of, they, they've kind of coached their way through the tournament. And that's why I think they've, they weren't very good and they've started to get better. Uh, and it always does. It, it's hard to watch England and be complimentary of them as Irish fans, but I think they were very good. You know, they, you love it, Sam. You love it. I do love it. I do love it. Well, yeah. Well, who are you trying to trick here? Who are you trying but, uh, to pull well, I, I think I think that they were very good. And I think that, you know, that, Fran- that French team played beautiful rugby, but like it's Northern Hemisphere rugby. I think beautiful rugby doesn't always win you the game. We'd love it if it did. We'd love for more teams to embrace the way France are playing. Uh, to play more of that style but you know England are dominant and that's one of the things that they have been good at for the last 10 15 20 years and that's one of the things they'll continue to do is they will dominate games they will keep the ball and then they have the ability to use it and they've just kind of grown into that thought Watson was brilliant uh, really really impressive uh, so yeah. yeah, it's good to see England dominant again, and they're coming to Dublin next weekend. Yeah, we're uh, we, just in time, didn't they? Yeah, I know. Why do we always seem to get them at the end of the tournament? This is bullshit. It's because they want Give us... the, the TV opportunity of a Grand Slam decider between England and Ireland. It's, it's Well, that didn't plan. That didn't go to plan this year, did it? <laughs> like, every once in a while, it'll occur like England will play Ireland in a Grand Slam decider on Paddy's Day. And like TV companies are like, cha-ching. Oh, we're all, we're all leprechauns as well. It's great. Um, we'll talk briefly on the Wales-Italy game because let's be honest who wants to talk about that Italy are terribly terrible defensively and incredibly ill-disciplined Wales are one game away from a grand slam Westy how is this possible? Well I mean uh, it was highly unlikely that Italy uh, were going to be the ones to overturn them but at the same time how crazy it's been for Wales you really wouldn't be surprised if they all of a sudden conceded six tries to Italy Um 
but no, I think I think they've definitely grown a lot in confidence since you know since that little triple crown that they won. Um, and they they really kind of I think they really flexed in Italy. What was it? What was the score at halftime? Twenty seven nil. Like, yeah, it really was, put it. Well, again, score. but Italy were just so poor defense. Like, and giving away penalties like they're going out of fashion. Ah, uh, but Monte only scored a fantastic try though. He did. He did. And his first name is Monty. And I'm all for that. I am all for that. Sam, anything to contribute or can we please move on to uh, Connacht versus Edinburgh? Yeah, no, I, I was thoroughly unimpressed with the game. Uh, you know, Wales, I'm actually kind of annoyed at Wales didn't get it over 50, to be perfectly honest. It was 48. Like, why are you leaving that out there? But uh, no, they, they, they weren't tested at all. I, I can't really say that any of them played particularly well. Reece Samet and George North and you know, Bigger and any of these players Alwyn Jones, Jones, maybe like Navidi because he's so slick, played quite well. But other than that, I don't think like, you know, they weren't tested enough to really have to get out of second year. And that's unfortunate. And I don't want to go on a big rant about England having to prove themselves in the Six Nations because it's been weeks of me doing that. And it will continue to be weeks and years of me doing that until such a time that a playoff is introduced. But I just, they, they haven't shown up. And yes, they offloaded a few times round one. That's, to, to me, isn't enough anymore, but... It's discipline from Italy's perspective as well. And we saw it against us. And we, we saw it even in their first game where, where they probably played their best rugby. They're giving away penalties in key areas. It's killing them. Was, was there two yellow cards in this game against Wales? Like, how do, they ex- how do you expect to, to get anything done? When, when you and they probably could have more if the referee was being probably clinical. <laughs> I'm sure it gets to a stage where like, ah, oh, it's grand, don't worry about it. But uh, yeah, we moved on. Italy, poor Wales, one game away from a Grand Slam. Who would have thought it? Uh, we move on to Pro 14 action, Connacht versus Edinburgh on Friday, Saturday night. Uh, well, uh, not for the first time this podcast this year, a heartbreaking loss for Connacht uh, right at the death uh, in a very windy and rain. I've never seen the two of you so quiet. This is shocking. Uh, he's both looks so sheepish and deservedly so. Uh, rough night at sports grounds as, as always, but Connacht having the win the first half, I think we all kind of wanted and expected them to get out to a bit of a lead so that... In the second half, they could kind of not hold on, but not be looking for scores. Um, started the game really well, Westy. Like that first half, not the scores weren't there, but they looked good in patches, Connacht. Yeah, but it's also worrying. Like, okay, we were great, and then we got in nice and early, brilliant try from Sean O'Brien, four minutes. But we proceed to spend the next ten minutes camped, or even more than that, fifteen minutes camped inside their twenty-two and not able to get anything from it. So you really saw the Edinburgh defence kind of grow into it, and Connacht maybe, I don't know lose a bit of flair, lose a bit of creativity, maybe relax on their laurels a little bit, thinking, oh, I've got that first try now, we're in control here, we'll push on. I was delighted to see us go for the try um, just before half-time, and I thought, that was, I thought that was it, and I was like, okay, we'll go in confident, friendly, will you know, give them a stern talking to, and we'll come out and we'll, we'll play some great rugby. Um, and we didn't really, we didn't really score at all in the second half, did we? Um, I thought... No, I thought, but... I think I think that we were never going to score in the second half. I think we managed the game brilliantly for 41 minutes of the 42 that were in the second half. I thought we didn't let them in. We kept them camped in their end of the pitch. We didn't play too much, but we didn't let them capitalise on the wind, much like we couldn't capitalise on the wind. We did let them in. We, you know, we conceded that Magnus Bradbury try half an hour in. You know, look, at no, I'm not going to get into like, the, 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 the nitty-gritties of it, but I do think... Like it's as Sam said, like like the refereeing comes into question at some point. Like Jared Butler gets a red card, which is which is fair. Like that's probably that is a red card. Then we see you know Papalili gets chinned at one point with a shoulder. Like that's not you know he's a big guy, but like it should be even harder to tackle him high. 
Um, and then we see uh, who was the other wing. Uh, was it O'Donnell gets clothesline into touch? You know, it's just a that bit. Was, that was Niall Murray showing up on the wing. Niall Murray on the wing. Sorry, I knew, I knew it was a fair Monster error. game from Niall Murray, though. What yeah. a monster game from him. Yeah, out in the wing. He can do everything, that guy. Well, look, no, that's not the only reason we lost. I think, we, as Sam said, we managed the game pretty well for 41 minutes and we managed it extremely poorly. Even, look, and there's young lads on that pitch and I'm, I'm willing to take the loss and say, look, there's a lot of lads, got a lot of good experience, but... There's two decisions in that last 10, 15 minutes that you're like, why? Like, why give away Let's the ball? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because me and Sam had a back and forth on WhatsApp uh, about this on Saturday. Westy, I don't know what you were up to, but you weren't involved. Despite what people think, I, I do have a life outside of watching rugby matches. No, you, know? you don't. You were probably watching Romania under <laughs> 17s play. <laughs> Some crap oh, game. Man. Give them four years. That'd be good. <laughs> uh, I hate the decision to kick the ball away one minute to go. Sam, you disagree, and I see your logic, but... Like, there's several passages of the game where Connacht held onto that ball for probably, you know, easily a minute, if not more. And it's basically screaming that you don't back yourself to hold the ball on for, like, a minute. Like, they're more than capable of doing that. I just don't like giving the ball away. I don't like putting the faith of the game into someone else's hands. Does that does that make sense? Oh, I get it. And I 100% agree with you. But I think at the time, and it was 90 seconds. It wasn't a minute. It was 90 seconds. It was a long... I think it was uh, closer to a minute, but that's it was, semantics. It was 90 seconds. And it was a, it's a long time to have to hold the ball against that wind and in that rain in the last minute of a game. It's tiring. I think my biggest problem was the execution of the kick which was not good it was straight to him I think if he had done the same kick that he'd done like countless times the last few weeks and really got something behind it and put it out into touch to slow it down a little bit or gotten it just inside or just outside of him it was fine I think the execution made it look like a bad decision but if it had come off which it, like in the way that it has done in the last few weeks he's been kicking brilliantly from that channel it would have slowed the game down completely allowed us to probably disrupt the line out or try to get something on it. And it would have looked like a great thing. I get the idea about not kicking it away, but I just, in that moment in time, having 14 men against the rain and the wind and stuff, I don't see us holding on to it for 90 seconds in our own half. I just didn't see that happening. I think he knew it as well. I think they were all tired. You know, McNulty probably should have kicked another one as well when he got the ball and he made the break and he got isolated there. There should have been a kick there as well. I don't call it giving them possession unless you execute it like he did. I think it, it's tactical kicking. It's what we've been good at. It's what won us plenty of games this season. And he should have gone with that. But it just it was a bad execution of, in my mind, the right decision. Uh, Westy, what do you think? Um, I'll be the same as you. I hate giving up possession. I come I, I read the statement of putting your fate in someone else's hands. You're hoping they'll make a mistake. or, I mean... You, which, I mean, look, Ireland did it against the All Blacks, you know, and I remember screaming at the TV that day. Was it uh, was it Larmer or was it Ringo? Someone kicked the ball away and we backed the defence and look, we got it. But um, no, I, I was distraught when we kicked that ball away. Um, again, like I agree with what Sam is saying, it's territorial kicking, but again, you're kicking into that gale force wind. So you've got even less, you know, his kick has to be even more precise to get the desired result out of it. And yeah, of course, he's capable of that. But I just thought, you know, He's been making up for a man missing for almost half an hour as well. His legs are tired. Like it's, um, and then you're defending with 14 men as well while giving it back. And I then ju- I just didn't like the decision. Awful discipline creeps in, and look at that two penalties, and we're, we're done. And you know, even then, I was watching my brother, and we were screaming like, just just funnel them into the corner. Do you know, they won't. You know, like let let them make the kick, and <laughs> straight out like it couldn't have been worse. Like, oh. 
It was, and we have the total Wooten was at uh, fifteen. How did Westy? How did we think that went? Um, I think it went, it went okay, but I, I don't think we'd be overly pushed to put him back there. And again, I don't think he was necessarily poor, but I think he is, he's a better man-on-man runner than an open space runner. You know, he he had some couple of good takes and he had some couple of good runs, but I think he's better at finding a gap in the line than, you know, like Porch is great at building up ahead of screen and, you know, barreling through a gap and really opening up. Whereas I think Woten is a bit better maybe at a step or like getting his way into space than maybe targeting that space from a distance back, if that makes sense what I'm saying. Yeah, I think so too. Sam, what, not all negative. Just on that, sorry, Westy. What what he does do, which I was really impressed with, but actually more in my mind solidifies the fact that he's a, a an extremely good winger and needs to move back to the wing. Is his read and his like coming out of the line to make tackles. He he made about four or five massive hits out wide in the line, coming up and stopping the passage of play to the wing, which especially when we were down to fourteen was really effective and you know re- like helped close out. And I think that that's. That's a read that probably a natural winger is making more so than him as a fullback and shows me that he should be a fullback. I was just annoyed that he didn't get a chance to try that head of steam run that you talk about in the second half. When they had the wind, they didn't kick down into space at all, really. Like they kind of they tried to march up the field with it a bit. And that was a, like I was like, oh, just give him something. I want to see him run. But yeah, I don't think he's a fullback. I think he's a wing. But it's nice to know you have if like Porge needs a rest and O'Halloran is injured. It's nice to know you have Wooten there as another choice because we, we know, like, injuries come in 15s at Connacht. It's not like threes in other provinces. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we said, like, obviously it was a loss, but, look, on the bright side of things, it's not going to impact the second position in, in Conference B. And also you got some great performances and some great game time for youngsters, Sam. We saw, you know, Keane Prendergast, Niall Murray really stepped up. We saw, I thought, Jordan Duggan come on, had a great, you know, impact on the game. Or McNulty, who's a very highly tipped uh, youngster as well in the province, like that's even though it's a loss, you have to look at that and be like, that will stand a Connacht hopefully down the line, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I was really happy with the team because of the mix of kind of youth and experience. Uh, I've been excited to see McNulty. I've been excited to see the the newest Sean O'Brien. I don't know if Sean O'Brien three or four at this stage, but I was excited to see him for a while. Uh, and then the. Uh, and Prendergast, I thought, was brilliant again. You know, he's, he's kind of, that was his first start and he really stepped up and he made some great tackles, some, like a lot of responsibility in the line out. Him and Murray were going up, you know, which is, Thornbury is there. He's the tallest man on the, the planet. Uh, and the fact that they were throwing up Prendergast and Murray, that, that shows a lot of kind of respect for them as players. So, yeah, I'm really happy with that. I'm bitterly disappointed because I wanted the win, not just, like second is already confirmed. I wanted the win to solidify second, to really be like, look at this. You know, we'd have more than a 50% win ratio for the season uh, for Andy Farrell, uh, Andy Friend's third year in a row. It would have been an excellent thing. And that can still happen against Scarlet's the weekend, but it would have just been nice to really finish up the season on two, two big wins after that monster game. And, you know, a one point loss with that young team is great. Lots of experience, plenty of positives to take from it. But I was still disappointed because the idea of really solidifying and, opening up a gap between second and third and all of those sort of things, I think would have looked great for the the team, the province, the opportunity to bring in new players, the, just just kind of, you know, putting our stamp down and saying, this is what we deserve. It's not just we ended up getting lucky. Yeah, that's fair. We'll move on to Dragons versus Ulster. 
uh, Westy. We saw Mike Lowry at ten uh, for Ulster, which is definitely a position that he's played. I think we all we all know it when he was younger, uh, mostly now at full back. But he's played ten and he got man the match. He made I think ridiculous sixteen out of sixteen tackles, something incredible. Um, the post match picture of him and uh, Alan, what is, what's the lock called? O'Connor. I can't remember his name. Alan O'Connor is like someone says, like father son day at school. It's hilarious the size difference. But uh, this is another great option for Ulster going forward to have Mike Lowry to play at multiple positions. Yeah, and as, as, as fantastic as I think he was at 10, I think it'll be very difficult for him to have a future there. Um, I think he's a fantastic player, and I think I get a great game. I think he, I think he's solid at ten. I don't think there's any problem with it, but I think at the minute, it's going to be very hard for him to get into an Ireland camp at ten. First off, which you know isn't necessarily everyone's main goal. His goal is to play week in, week out for Ulster and to to play well. Um, I definitely think he did that. I, I would worry a little bit of you know Ulster asking too much of him. I've, you know, we've seen it before. Players, if you become a jack of all trades, it's really impossible to really put your marker down. And I think he's been doing that. I think as he's got a consistent run at fullback. I think he's been doing that at fullback. So great to see him play a 10. Fantastic game. I would be wary of him being moved around too much. Because again, like, you know, at Ulster, you've already got two, let's say, international standard 10s in Madigan and Burns. Um, obviously, it helps with Cooney taking a little bit more responsibility in certain areas. Um, but no, I thought, um, I thought it was great to see Lowry full-rounded performance at 10 from him. Sam, we saw Stockdale looking, you know, back to his kind of best attacking, a beautiful run set up on the tries. Uh, he'll more than likely be, be hope. Well, I think most of us would like to see him be seen this weekend against England. Um, like we can't stress this enough. I think when we kind of said a, a few months ago, the time away from the the Ireland camp and the the media circus and everything that goes with that has has done him the world of good. Yeah, and it's it's what you wanted. I know it came due to injury, which is unfortunate, but it was beneficial to him. And it's showing there, you know, he's, he's playing fullback, a position that people have questioned if he's good enough to play uh, at that position. No one's ever questioned his ability as a rugby player, but it, I, I still see him as a winger in the long term. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's made a massive break. He's made a highlights real break, which allows people to get talking as well, which is one thing, you know, you can have an extremely safe game and do everything right with no Pro 14 Twitter account highlight and no one would be talking about you because that's unfortunately the way people consume media now. But he's on the tip of everyone's tongue and he's taken advantage of a weekend where a person in his direct competition for a place has not played well in the Irish team. So he's really done himself a lot of favours there. And that's all part and parcel and benefit of you know playing and training regularly with this Ulster team and allowing him to build up that confidence and get back to full fitness and full form on their time. And that's 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 brilliant and that's what he had been aiming to do and that's what he's done like what Westy was saying with Lowry probably playing as a fullback competition in the Ulster team is what's going to allow all the 10s to play at their best and if Stockdale is a 15 him and Lowry battling it out the two they'll get the best out of both of them so you know they're in a great position in terms of squad depth and ability there in Ulster and you know it can only be beneficial to them and to Ireland. We saw the emergence of another amazingly young uh, talented player Stuart Moore uh, at centre, come on, or didn't sorry, played and scored two tries. Westy, we like the depth and youth of this Ulster squad. Like the next few years should be very, very fruitful for this Ulster team, right? Yeah, it will be. And what's great about Ulster is, no matter how good any of their players play, they'll never make the Ireland team, so they won't have to worry about <laughs> a week any week. 
<laughs> too soon. That's too soon. You, that's two weeks in a row you're going to piss off the Ulster fans. Oh, I'm saying are... they should make the team. I'm just saying that they won't. Like, it's, it's baffling. They, like, they it's... know it as well as we do. Like, they're, they're fully understanding and fully as annoyed at not being picked for the Irish team when they're like the most informed, nicest team to watch. <laughs> Probably the most youth and best available players, but... Altogether, the four proud provinces of Ireland. Uh, we'll move on to uh, Munster Scarlets. We'll briefly touch on this one. Touch on this one. Joey Carberry back, starting man and match. Looked what was you? You you were kind of you said he looked good, but not not great. You were kind of on the on the fence a bit. Um, yeah, no, I I, I did think he played really well. Like obviously, slotted all of his kicks. I think he was a hundred percent from the tee, was he? Um. Played good, had had that one break, but again, like I would say that I would argue that he pushes his player into a defender and shields himself. You know, I would say that's kind of what what irritated me more was Liam Tolan's apparent love for his Messiah, um, Joey Garbery, which made it very difficult for me to watch. I understand I'm far too cynical for my own good, but I am thirty now, so I have to draw a line. Somewhere. You are, you're you're a withered old man. I know. Let me put my glasses back on. Um, but yeah, no, look, I thought he was very good and I thought this is another positive step in the right direction of which there are now, you know, there's another two competitions he has to play in and show how good he is before either potentially being in an Ireland summer tour or what I would actually prefer is that we hold out until the Autumn Internationals and get him a proper, um, a proper, you know, a proper, you know, build up into these games. I think everything's in the right direction, but I, I think people are going to get ahead of themselves. And I think... You know, possibly at the detriment of Joey Garvey. I don't think Ireland fans have ever gotten ahead of themselves, Wes. I think that's a crazy <laughs> thing to say. Yeah, God, Wes. Do you remember the time we were number one are. in the world and we we're going to win the World Cup? How'd that work out? It was only two years ago. <laughs> it wasn't Look that where long we are. ago. I know we lost. No, oh, just scraped past Scotland. I do think it was a great game from Garvey. Um, I don't think he's is as good as he was like two years ago because he hasn't been. As good as he was in, you know, even before the injury, the, the last injury, he wasn't necessarily on fire. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction, but I don't think that's the best we'll see of Joey Carberry. And I mean that in the absolute best way possible. We also saw JJ at 12, Sam. So they were kind of went for the, you know, the England kind of uh, Farrell role there. How do you think that went? Yeah, I think it, it gave a little bit of protection to Joey in terms of having another disc distributor outside of him I don't think he was in any way kind of special I was really really unimpressed with that Scarlet's team I'm hoping that same Scarlet's team shows up against Connacht next Monday because I thought that you know you can probably stick them against uh, Balna firsts and Balna would probably give him a good game I, I really didn't think that is Westy playing though oh Westy's definitely playing uh, oh so they did lose then yeah <laughs> but uh, no I definitely I, I wasn't impressed with them at all I don't think that they they kind of didn't even look really showed too much effort and I know that there's a lot of players missing for Welsh shooting and stuff but nah, I just thought they were thoroughly unimpressive and you know it, it made an easy enough game for Hanrahan that probably is just to give Carberry a little bit of protection like I was listening to your podcast that you did the interview with Overhill Prop and he, he seems to think that Hanrahan's on the way out he hasn't got the contract and the other young out halves have so it's it's probably just filling a spot more so than anything for the, the time being and allowing Kyrie to come back, play 10, not put too much pressure on him. Kyrie was good. I don't think he was as good as everyone says, but like Stockdale, he has a nice highlight moment that people can jump on and say, look how good he was in this seven seconds. And I didn't watch the rest of the 79 minutes and 93, but that that's, that's modern day kind of 
media and content and that's what happens. But no, he was good and he was good and he'll keep developing and improving. But I don't think Hanrahan's a long-term answer at centre and I don't think he's probably going to be playing for Munster next year. So this is just a stopgap filler to finish out the rest of the season. They've already confirmed that they're in the final and we'll get to the Rainbow Cup and they'll get their internationals back. Just want to say for most men, there's nothing wrong with performing for seven seconds, Sam. Okay, most great, the great men all do. So That's leave you're, it out. You're okay? double that at least. Like I'm, right, a, I'm a 20, 20 second. Seven minutes in heaven is better than five minutes in heaven. You know. So <laughs> well, obviously, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a, you just mind fucked me, Westy. Uh, we'll move down south. That's another sexual innuendo. Uh, to <laughs> to New Zealand, Blues versus Highlanders. This was a good old-fashioned beatdown, Westy, by the Blues. That Blues backline, when it clicks, it is just beautiful. Yeah, um, Jesus, Caleb Clark. Uh, oh yeah, we talked about him a lot last year, but he's really coming along. Uh, Aoni in the centre, um, Rico Aoni in the centre, brilliant. Like the, that's a try, first off. That is a Aoni on the wing. try. Like, um, the Aoni brothers, for anyone who didn't see it, uh, forgive me because I get them wrong. Uh, uh, Akira breaks down the wing brilliant pass ball goes backwards from his hand ball is still behind him when his brother catches it in the middle of the fire. like I understand the logic that the, the ball technically travels forward because he's running but if if that's a forward pass if that's not backwards then no try with momentum has ever been backwards well, that was well, clearly backwards released like a YouTube video explaining like they're like it's not, it's not forwards if it travels forwards if it leaves the hand going backwards like there's a video with like lines drawn out in a pitch that explains it and like all of us amateur physics heads were like oh wow yeah cool but uh that that i think that was the worst call ever and it ruined the best try like brother to brother big man on the wing throws big skip pass beautiful finish turn of pace everything about it was unbelievable and then it got chalked off and i was like oh why there really does need to be like a, a rules adjudicator to be like, look, we know it was forward, but it was a sick try. Yeah. So <laughs> it stand. Can there not be like that? Beside the TMO, can there not be like the passionate fan that like has to make <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so too. I, I have no problem with it. Um, I want to talk with some blues. Like they lost Bowden Barrett, massive player. A, 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 a Terry, I can't, sorry. Terry um, Black. Yes, the first name always confuses me. Well, Sam, how impressive has he, he been? Because he seems to have really stepped up and taken over more leadership. Yeah, he did last season or last Super Rugby Arts or Rowe season as well. And kind of everyone was like, oh, when's Bowden getting back? When's Bowden clicking? When's Bowden playing 10? And, you know, it, it looks like the, unfortunately for Bowden, because I think the move to Blues was to play as a 10. But unfortunately for Bowden, it looks like he's going to take this year and use it to put his mark down and tell Bowden to piss off back to 15 and uh, allow him to play at 10. And, I don't think Bowden makes it into the All Blacks team as a 10 because Mwanga is just the best player that ever played rugby. Uh, so I think Bowden's long-term plan should be either to stay in Japan and make a load of money or to move back to the Blues, play 15 outside of Terry Black, let a Terry Black be the understudy to Mwanga for the international team and try and kind of cement down that 15 spot for the All Blacks. And that's probably the long-term plan, the best opportunity for him because you know he was World Player of the Year in a year that he played quite often at fullback. So, you know, he's a very, very good fullback and it can only benefit the Blues and then New Zealand if he continues on that and allows the Terry Black to continue developing because what a player he's turned out to be. He's not just 
kicking the ball well. He's managing back lines. He's, he's managing a back line full of studs as well, which is not easy to do. And he's just been brilliant. West, the Highlanders, by no, you know, by no means a, a poor team, but they seem to be destined for like mid-table when it comes to Super Rugby. They just don't seem to be good enough as a Crusaders or a Blues, but then they're obviously better than the Chiefs and the Hurricanes. Oh, uh, they you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they just the table, can't seem the to get the... Rugby I draw is two, three, and four. It's, tr- it's third, yeah, it's third. <laughs> uh, it's still bronze, so uh, nothing to worry about. But Wesley, they just can't seem to get over that, you know, that top, top level. Yeah, I think well, it's, it's interesting because I actually I didn't really realize, but you know they have they they play for a I can't remember the name, but they play for a cup of some sort when the Blues play the Islanders, and you know the Islanders have won it the last kind of eight years in a row, so it really is. And I know they 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 won Super Rugby outright in the last kind of decade, um. So it is interesting to see how quickly these teams can change in, in Super Rugby. You know, in Ireland we kind of it's very slow when teams kind of rise and fall. You know, it's not an instant year on stuff that, that the way it happens um but yeah they're just missing uh, Regan in the second row I mean that's that was what let them down really no Irish guy on the pitch yeah I know um, yeah but yeah no look pasty white guy some 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 lovely rugby from from Highlanders they're a really good team I'm still crying out for Kazuki Himino to play at number eight for them because I'm a big fan of his I'd love to see him play super rugby um but I just think I just think things are clicking at Blues now I think on that day, I think Blues just started with a fire. I think had they played Crusaders on that, that would have been their best chance to, to beat them. Will they play that well next weekend? I don't know. But um, Islanders just a few, a bit short in one or two positions, but I think it was a fantastic Blues performance. Speaking of Crusaders, they dealt with the Chiefs pretty much as well as we thought they were going to. The first half definitely was tight. Like Damian McKenzie is just so good, Sam, isn't he? Like He's trying his utmost best to drag this Chiefs team to a win. But it just isn't enough, unfortunately, for the the smiling, beautiful boy that he is. Yeah, he, he's like the subject of an American sitcom where some guy from like a D one high school gets transferred to like the middle of the countryside and has to bring this ragtag bunch with him, and he's like smiling and he's got the like flowing locks. Like that's what he is. He's just he's so good. But that Chiefs team, I don't know, they they're really just not impressed last year and so far this year either. Really, I'm like you know. 15 minutes of their first game was about the extent of the impressing people. Since then, it's just been the can Damien McKenzie make last-ditch tackles enough to keep teams out. Wesley, speaking of that last-ditch tackle, that foot looked on the ground to me. I, I don't know. It looked like it grazed. There's proof of it. There's picture, like, high-quality proof. But then also, this is where you'd go to the, the sick try-judge, and he'd be like, yeah, that's sick, bro. And then he that would they would stand. No, but I, I think yeah, <laughs> but again, like I mean, I, I it, physics baffles me how the foot doesn't touch the ground. But again, I don't, I can't be hundred percent sure that it does it. You know, there, it, it's great awareness of your of your feet. I can't get over it. Yeah, that's I, <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I would have just dropped like a sack of spuds. Yeah. Uh, but the, the second half, Crusaders put you know kind of blew cheese out of the water. This Wichimawanga, as you said, Sam, really just solidified his spot as, like, Westy, how, just how good is this guy? Like, he just seems to be going from strength to strength. Yeah, he's brilliant. And I think we've often said it about players like Mwanga. Like, he's the type of player that brings up the guys around him. He brings other players into the game. It's not it's not all Richie Wanga, although often it can look that way. You know, he, he brings his centres in well. He distributes well. He makes really good snap decisions on the pitch. Like, it's it's a joy to watch. Even when they're... Even when they're not winning, like 
if Moringa has the ball, you're terrified. He is, he is. He's, he's that good. And the Crusaders look like they're just going to keep marching on to you know another title. But at, they're playing the Blues this weekend. That is going to be... No, I think they have a bye week, do they? they? No, they play the Blues this weekend on Sunday. Yeah, okay. So that'll be a really good game. And the Blues are at home for that. So that could be an absolute cracker. Um, not getting up for it, obviously, because that'll be ridiculous. But we'll watch it definitely later in the day. Um, right, boys, I think we'll wrap it up there. We're over the hour mark. Uh, appreciate you. We had plenty to get through there, so we got through it uh, pretty well. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Thanks for sticking with it. And we'll be back next weekend after a super Saturday to talk about uh, some great games. So cheers for listening. Cheers, boys. Appreciate it. Cheers. Bye.